feels like in many ways the culture of care chose me or chose us. It's something that uh, was baked in by my father, who is also in this industry, Isaac's grandfather, obviously. And it's something that he instilled in us a long time ago was uh, being generous, caring for our customers, doing high quality work. Those are all aspects of that greater idea of having a, a culture of care. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Care and Restoration Cast, otherwise known as the Car Cast, where we talk about restoring cars, communities, and people to their pre-accident condition. My name is Isaac from the Reigns Family Car Star Group. Today, as always, I'm joined by my father, boss, and most importantly, my co-host, Kevin Reigns. Today we're going to be talking about why we choose a culture of care and the benefits that come along with that. Let's get into it. Check, 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 check. Check, one, two, check, check. <clears throat> check, check. Check, 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 check. Check, one, two, check, check. <clears throat> check, check. Check, 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 check. Check, one, two, check, check. <clears throat> check, check. Check, 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 check. Check, one, two, check, check. So for us, and I think for really any business, a culture is made up of the enacting of the values that uh, have been put into the put into the business, typically by the leaders or the founder or the constitution of the business or whatever. Um, so when we started talking about, when I started looking at like, what are the core values that I wanted to be about, I really tried to narrow it down to one singular value of care and then letting that value get expressed in several different we'll call them quadrants um, so when we talk about care we talk about care for our customers and then that kind of opens up the door for a couple more values in the sense of well how do we care for our customers one is through empathy so we have a very empathetic approach to listening to our customers making sure they have an opportunity to tell their their story and what's really important to them about getting their car repaired. So we train our, our estimators to be great empathetic listeners. Another thing of caring for customers is creating an effortless experience, mm -hmm. which is another value that we have. We want to take all the friction out of the system. Do they need help setting up a rental? Do they need a ride somewhere? Um, are we, how are we going to update them? How do they like to be updated? Is it phone, text, email? So we try to create an experience for them that that feels effortless from their perspective as much as possible. Uh, we know they've already been inconvenienced, so we want to take as much of that burden of effort onto ourselves so they can have an experience that, that feels mostly effortless. So that's an example of how care, our singular value, gets expressed into uh, caring for customers. The other quadrants are caring for our coworkers, so creating opportunities for our team through training, caring for the communities that we serve in. We want to be generous uh, people, kind of uh, lights, if you will, in the communities in which we serve. So there's communities, coworkers, cars, and craftsmanship. So we want to make sure that when we, we're repairing vehicles, we're doing that at a really high level of quality Ultimately, our goal there is to restore cars in such a way that they are safe to put them back on the road. 
we constantly ask ourselves, would we put one of our loved ones in these cars? It feels like in many ways the culture of care chose me or chose us. It's something that uh, was baked in by my father, who is also in this industry, Isaac's grandfather, obviously. And it's something that he instilled in us a long time ago was uh, being generous, caring for our customers, doing high quality work. Those are all aspects of that greater idea of having a, a culture of care. I think another big driver for me was wanting to integrate my previous profession, which was as a pastor of a local church, into my current uh, vocation, which is auto body repair. So making sure that there's continuity between those two things, because I feel like uh, once you're called to a ministry, it really never lifts from you in a sense. So in a way, it's just a part of uh, a greater whole of what I believe that I'm called to in life. So Isaac, you just recently turned 23. You're less than half my age. Uh, I just turned 50 last year. I'm not asking you to speak for a whole generation here, but when you look out on the wider culture, how important do you think empathy is in this current time that we live in and among your generation, maybe even as opposed to previous generations that you've noticed? Empathy is so important to us. We don't give our business to people who are not empathetic. If we have the option uh, for a business that's more empathetic, we, um, in my experience, really look out for each other. Um, I think for past generations, maybe empathy wasn't, not that it wasn't there, not that it wasn't important. Maybe it um, wasn't essential. Exactly. So, you know, if somebody can get the job done really well, but they're not empathetic, you might still go to them for help. For my generation, from what I've seen, we go first with who's looking out for us and the people we love, mm. um, as well as try to support people, businesses, um, things that really shoot out empathy into the culture even more. So what I hear you say really is like empathy is a competitive advantage in this this time that we find ourselves in, especially among younger generations. So that'll become more and more true as those generations mature and become the people with the, the means and the resources and begin to take more leadership roles in society. It seems to me like empathy is going to be a pretty critical factor going forward. Are there any companies that come to mind for you um, outside of ours, obviously, where empathy is kind of front and center and that you, you like doing business with them? because they have an empathetic kind of empathy built into their culture. Uh, I used to work for a nonprofit called The 86. They're a um, coffee house in Clifton, Ohio, um, kind of near downtown Cincinnati. And um, all of their profits are recycled back into just making a really comfortable, positive, loving space for people to come and study have really good conversations, drink a really tasty cup of coffee, and just enjoy community at its simplest, I feel. Well, it's funny you reference nonprofits because that's, I remember early on when I was just transitioning from ministry and the nonprofit world into the body shop world, um, and I had an uh, employee who really pretty got pretty upset with me at one point because we were being 
so generous to our customers and so open to the community around us and trying to to be a serving presence and uh, he said you have to remember that you're not running a soup kitchen here this is a business and at first that stung and there's some truth in that that like i have to be careful that i i don't just run the business into the ground while trying to be uberly generous so there was some truth in that But at the same time, looking back on that, I kind of wear that as a little bit of a badge of honor because he was catching on to the fact that I wanted to run this business in a way that was very different from other businesses, other body shops that he had been associated with. Um, In a sense, I want my for-profit business to have a lot of the same values that a non-profit business um, would have, with the exception being I do want to make a profit. I think profit is good and it allows for a greater expression of values, including things like generosity into the community, creating opportunities for our teammates, buying better tools so our technicians can do higher quality repairs. So I see profit actually as just an engine that fuels our culture and fuels those values as well. What's it generally like for um, a new employee coming into Uh, a culture like this, maybe not having experienced something like that before? I think, you know, it takes people a little bit to get used to. I think a lot of people that we've hired from other places, we were able to get a lot of talent from other body shops locally who did not have a culture of care or who did not uh, show a lot of empathy for their customers or their team members. So initially it can be a little bit jarring. It's kind of like, they're, they're maybe caught off guard and wondering when the other shoe's gonna drop. Like, there's really no way you could be this like this all the time. Um, but the truth is, it's never been a gimmick for us. It's been just an authentic expression of who we are, and the other shoe really doesn't, doesn't drop. Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't find times when we have to challenge our team members, which was another big learning for me is that one of the most caring things we can do for our team members is to hold them to a very high standard. That can come across as really highly challenging at times. Being caring means having empathy while holding people to a very high standard uh, for their, their daily behaviors, essentially. So at first, again, it can be a little bit jarring. Um, people just aren't used to being uh, dealt with in ways that are generous and open. Uh, one recent example is we had a team member come to us who was uh, working 60, 70 hours a week and her boss had literally never told her thank you. So when she came to work for us and was doing a good job making the same money, working 40 hours a week and then getting back to her family, getting back to having a normal, a normal life, and on top of that, we were expressing gratitude to her She couldn't understand why we'd be thanking her for only working 40 hours a week. And we were thrilled with her performance. So um, it can take a little getting used to if you're not used to being in a culture of care, um, especially if you've been in a situation that could almost resemble uh, being abused in a sense, uh, from like a vocational abuse, if I could could use that term. Um, But once people get used to it, there's really nothing else like it. Would you mind diving in a little bit to how you transitioned from being a pastor to um, running four body shops in Ohio and Kentucky? 
The short version is initially the really the church that I was pastoring was a small urban church full of very young artists. All that translated to we didn't have a lot of income coming in. Uh, we were generous where we could be, and I had a wonderful experience leading that church for many, many years. Um, but as our family was growing, we decided that I needed to take on some work outside of the church. And for a while, I was what's called bivocational, and I was doing uh, work in the auto body world as well as my ministry work at the same time. At a certain point, it became obvious I couldn't keep pace of doing both those things, and I made the very difficult decision to pursue auto body repair as a career choice from that point forward. So while I've had a lot of opportunities to kind of be in both of those worlds, and I enjoy still enjoy speaking at churches and being involved in my own local church and volunteering in different ways, um, really my focus over the last 15 years has been being an entrepreneur in the auto body industry. Do you feel like that um, gave you all the tools that you needed to craft this culture that you wanted to craft and implement into all of your businesses? Absolutely. It was a huge, uh, huge head start on the culture front, except for when we talk about caring for cars and the high quality craftsmanship and then getting reacclimated to an industry that I had not been in for, you know, probably at least 15 years. Um, so a lot of things had changed in the industry. A lot of the technology was updating on cars as well as uh, computerized estimating software. Things were just moving at a really quick pace in the years that I was no longer connected to the industry. So getting back into that side of it, um, I had to really gain a greater understanding of what does it mean to do a high quality repair on these cars that are really very sophisticated. I feel like my techs were really happy to educate me and they enjoyed being, uh, being the expert because that's what they knew and I kind of brought our or my desire to have a culture of care with the, the empathy, uh, creating opportunities for them to grow. Um, and those aspects that came naturally to me combined with their technical expertise, I think that's a lot of what led to our explosive growth over the first 10 years. And the level of training of my team has needed to take part in over the last 10 to 15 years has been enormous. And we've invested heavily in that as part of our commitment to caring for high quality repairs and craftsmanship in our industry. That's awesome. That's really cool. I was going to ask you um, what the payoff was for, for implementing a culture like this. That seems like part of the payoff is, is that, just knowing that, first of all, your team members are, are taken care of, but also that they're invested in a way because you've invested in them. Yeah. Um, do you see payoff in, in any other ways? I think it creates opportunities. I've been in situations where we've been where we've tried to acquire another location, and when that previous owner is considering who to sell their business to, if it's a not a bidding war, but there's multiple people going for that opportunity, the business owner typically has a very um, like a local family business owner of a body shop wants to take good care of the people that have taken care of them for a number of years. And I've bought several family-owned businesses over the last five years. And each time 
I feel like my name and our name rose to the top of the list because I was able to talk about our culture of care. They were able at some situations to hear about it from others or see it for themselves. And I think that gave them the assurance that they needed to know that I was going to carry on what they had started by caring for their team members further than if some national consolidator came in and really are not interested in the people on the shop floor day in, day out. So I still make my rounds every week and try to see all of my team members at least once a week, if not at the worst case scenario, every other week I'm interacting with all of our team members in some way in the shop. So those business owners feel much more comfortable knowing that I'm going to be carrying on what they have started uh, and specifically caring for the team members who really helped get them to where they were at a point where they were ready to sell. They didn't want to just abandon those folks. So let me ask you a question, Isaac, yeah. as you've just kind of recently got back into the family business um, and you've, you've seen the family business from uh, you know, this perspective working with me, you've also seen it in working with your grandfather. What are some aspects of the culture of care that you've seen expressed in, uh, since you've come back into the business? An easy one, just really right off the bat. Um, while we're recording this, it is April 17th, 2020. Um, we are in the middle of a worldwide pandemic right now. Um, COVID-19 is just running rampant and um, it's unfortunate, but a lot of people are getting laid off. Um, a lot of businesses are struggling. Um, a lot of human beings are frankly dying and, and getting really sick and suffering. Um, in our business, we've had to um, furlough a few employees temporarily, unfortunately, while all this is going on, just so that we can keep the shops open, uh, make sure that they have a place to come back to after this is all over. Um, and one of the ways that I've seen us caring for them, um, just a really simple way, is these care packages that we've we've um, made for them. We put together a box that has food, candy, uh, popcorn, We're paying for a any streaming service that they might want for a month while this is all happening. Also sending them um, cards to use, a list of different card games that you can play with your family, that kind of thing, as well as um, a list of really easy, really simple uh, family recipes that they can use um, that have fed our family for generations now that they can use to um, feed their family for, um, you know, not much money at all, but, yeah. you know, something warm to fill their bellies. And don't forget the TP. We, we put one roll of TP in each care package. If I was getting a roll of toilet paper, I would be over the moon because <laughs> my, my wife and I were actually down to one roll before we were able to find anything. I was actually stocking up on tissues just in case. Um, not a joke. <laughs> Another way that I've seen that we really try to take care of our um, employees is um, we keep it open you know if they have any questions if they have any concerns if they have anything that they want to learn they know that they can always if not speak directly to you get that message to you yeah. um, i saw a technician james go from just being an apprentice 
um, to becoming an actual body technician and, and making his own money. Um, I've also seen um, one of our detailers, uh, Colin, he came in with an interest in actually getting into um, being a painter potentially in the future. And he's been working and learning alongside um, one of our painters and growing and growing and growing, doing a fantastic job um, to be able to really, I mean, make a good life for himself that way. Um, just a couple quick little um, things that I've noticed. I think it's really, really, really cool that we um, have such an open environment um, for people to grow in. So um, for people listening who might be business owners, um, might be higher ups in a business, um, or you know, maybe even just a normal person wanting to implement this culture of care, it can be daunting, I feel like, you know, how do I take something that's this impactful, this broad, and just break the seal, take that first step and begin implementing this into my life. What, what, would, you, what would you say is, is a good first step? That's a great question. I think the first step is always to get in touch with your values. And values are not necessarily aspirational. That was one of my early mistakes in, in the business was I tried to find or make up values that were things that I aspired to. Values are something that you already have as a person, as a family, as an organization. The values are already baked in. So looking for what values you already have and then beginning to highlight those in a way that uh, promotes them. First, just by naming them is a great first step. Um, what are your values? Then promoting them. Talk about them with your team members. If you're trying to implement a culture of care in your wider family, talk about them with your family. Uh, so the idea of naming and promoting the values that you already have is, I think, the, the initial first step. Then as you craft kind of those values, you'll see that there's maybe some, some themes that develop or even overarching theme like happened for me, which was became the, the care is the singular value that gets expressed in multiple ways. Maybe you'll notice when you talk about your values that there's a little bit of a theme that could develop there. In terms of implementing the actual culture of care in your own businesses, I think a great place to start for me was reading. Uh, I've done a lot of reading about emotional intelligence and how uh, being a good leader is not just having a high IQ, it's also having a high EQ. So I encourage anybody to check out the literature around um, emotional uh, intelligence. Uh, the emotional quotient. There's all kinds of good articles and books around that topic. The last thing I'll say is, as you probably noticed, I am a big reader. I love to read, love to recommend resources, but anything by Brene Brown is just mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic mm -hmm. uh, for any business leader, any leader, any person really. So uh, I kind of turned that question back on you, Isaac. How would you answer that question uh, for yourself? So, um, you know, I'm not a business owner, um, but I think that, you know, as a lay person in my daily life, even um, the best way that I've found to take that first step is just to 
help someone, help anyone, any way that you can. Um, it doesn't have to be extravagant. Just if you see someone that needs help, maybe a family member, maybe a friend, maybe a stranger on the street you don't know, maybe that person sitting in the bar next to you, um, talk to them, help them. Um, if you have a couple bucks to give, give them a couple bucks. If you have a book they might benefit from, give them the book. I mean, there's no telling how much any small touch can benefit another person. It might be the difference between them um, um, having a great day and a terrible day. For little to no work on your part, you know, um, it really is amazing how little it takes to, to to start helping other people. I love the idea, and I love that kind of the idea of like the ripple effect that occurs. If you help one person, then it kind of ripples out. I think that's true as, as individuals, families, businesses, even the wider culture that we live in, like the, the ripple effects, you don't know where they're going to actually stop or even if they will ever stop. Like our actions do have, in many ways, these eternal consequences. But that reminded me of one of my favorite quotes by Mother Teresa, who said that we can't all do great things, but we can do everything we do with great love. So I might shift that a little bit and say, we all can't do great things, but we can all do things with great care. We can be caring for our uh, fellow human beings, whether that's our team members, our businesses, our customers, or the craft that we're pursuing. It can all be done with great care. Well, I can't think of a better place to end. So thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate you taking the time to sit with us today. Uh, really quick, you can follow us on Facebook at any of our four locations, Carstar Center City and Westchester in Ohio, as well as Carstar South Broadway and Carstar on Nicholasville in Kentucky. You can also reach us at carstarcares.com as well as on Instagram at carstar underscore cares. If you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, cries of anger, joyous revelations, or just want to say something nice about the show, reach out to me at Isaac, that's I-Z-A-A-C, at carstarcares.com. Make sure that you mention CarCast in the subject line. Until next time, buckle up, drive safe, and don't try to fix that damage yourself. Check, check. <clears throat> check, check. Check one, two, check, check. Check, check. Check, 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 check. Check one, two, check, check. Check, check. Check, 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 check. Check one, two, check, check. Check, check. Check, 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 check. Check one, two, check, check. Check one, two, check, check.